Hello and welcome back to French Football Weekly, the podcast that can 100% confirm it's very happy in Paris and has no intention of moving to Manchester yet. My name is Chris, I am your host and uh, yes, thank you for for sticking with us, I should say, for a week or so. We did have a week off last week, um, it's one of those weeks where uh, schedules were a little bit of a nightmare to join up, so um, all you need to know is France are heading to Qatar next summer. I know that will probably not be a massive shock to most of you listening in. Winter? Yeah, that's, well, winter, yeah, it should be said. Um, whatever the hell, when is it? November next year? I have no idea. I think it's actually Christmas? a year. I think, I think it's a year, or, or not quite to the date, but it's almost a year away within the same sort of calendar time. So, uh, yeah, two, two good wins, uh, a, a destruction uh, at home and a win away in Finland um, was, was enough to see them through. So rather than go over old ground, uh, we're just going to nod and uh, politely say uh, well done to them. And of course, it was the anniversary of the Paris attacks um, during the course of this international break as well. So uh, also just a quick mention of that as well. Uh, obviously gone, but not forgotten. So uh, it was just to uh, mention on that, obviously, Gresman took uh, a penalty in the match against Kazakhstan. And you could see Mbappe giving him the ball and then he uh, raised his shirt uh, with a tribute to, yeah. uh, I think his sister was actually in Bataclan that she night. Was, yeah, so it's a personal things. issue for him as well. Yeah. Um, because, of course, Mbappé at that point was on a ha- had a hat-trick. Yes. Did get a fourth goal, which meant I think he's the first French player since 1958 to score four. But he got the... Um, the very rare mark of 10 out of 10 in L'Equipe. He's the 12th player ever uh, to get 10 out of 10. Obviously, Messi has got it twice. Um, But that was, you know, it was was a walkover, but it was one that contained some some interesting records. Yeah. I'm slightly more interested in the fact that Mbappe gave the ball to Griezmann. I think it says a lot about how the France team has changed recently, that Mm. in terms of the hierarchy, that Griezmann was the number one penalty taker not so long ago, and now apparently he's number three in the pecking order. And I know this is not going to be a popular thing to say, and yet it's all very great seeing Benzema and Mbappe ripping teams like Kazakhstan apart. and all right, Italy and Spain and Belgium to an extent as well. But I have to say it might be a more exciting France team, but I think one in which Giroud has been dumped so nastily and unceremoniously and one in which Griezmann has clearly lost a lot of influence to me is a, also a team that, frankly, has lost a bit of its heart and likability as well. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You, were, you mentioned that uh, when we couldn't get together last week and I... I I do agree very much. There's less likability, I mm. think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair to say. And Overall. I know 
and, and if anybody wants to read, um, I think you've tweeted us to be there, Jez, your, your stark defence of uh, Griezmann. I thought that was spot on, everything you said there, because I felt exactly the same way as you did. So, um, yeah, uh, as I say, if anyone wants to have a read, do do so. Um, as you probably may have noticed, uh, this evening I'm joined by Phil and Jez. Uh, hi, everybody. Oh, hello. So, yeah, we haven't done that yet. <laughs> we, we, we've done it now. We've done it now. So, um, straight yeah. in there. Straight in there, absolutely. So as we said, uh, that was um, good for France, obviously, and, and, you know, you don't take anything for granted, but I think we all expected that uh, a couple of good results would be on the way and that Kazakhstan destruction was certainly a nice way to crown the qualification for the uh, the hopeful retention of the World Cup next year. We shall see. Uh, but moving things back to domestic football, uh, Liga got back underway this weekend. So uh, a few things to talk about. A uh, couple of results I am going to leave out of this quick rundown. I'll explain why in a minute. But I will mention that on Friday, first of all, we saw Monaco uh, finding their scoring touch back again. But they had to come from two down at home to Lille as they got a 2-2 draw. Uh, Jonathan David, who's been having a, a lovely time with his uh, national side while he's been on the break. He scored another two goals. He's into double figures for the season now. Uh, fired Lille two up in 10 minutes. But uh, Monaco reawakened themselves. Kevin Diata scoring at the near post with uh, five minutes to go to half time. And uh, with Sam Ben Yedda stepping off the bench to equalise with seven minutes to go in a game that did see a Pavlovich red card in that particular game. So uh, honours even for two sides that would probably be looking to be a bit higher up on the table heading into the Christmas period. But it is what it is. We will um, come back to the Saturday fixtures because they're within our roundup. But uh, on Sunday... We saw the early game of the day. Um, I don't think anyone would have seen this result coming, although it has been a pretty bad results in terms of away fixtures for Lons, but a 4-0 thumping away at Brest was not on the cards for many people. Uh, Steve Mounier, Brendan Chardonnay, Robin Fev and uh, Le Duran with, uh, I think, probably the pick of the goals for the fourth. Uh, Callum Wendo was also dismissed for Lons. Uh, but yeah, they, not a good day. They, they lost their shit completely, I mm. think, at that, that point. Um with Calamunda going up, but um, Brest were, I think, 17th going into this, but they're now five without a loss, and I think they're on the back of three straight wins. Yeah, so they're up to 13th. Yeah, we'll change. And yeah. what we'll be saying the other week was, I'm probably saying in amongst no team is too, um, bad enough to go down, uh, they have picked themselves up, but they do play some nice stuff and they've put in, a, a, as you say, a very unexpected performance against that uh, that opposition. But it was a very impressive, um, very impressive first half in particular on them to mm. keep Lance, uh, who were second, under control. Absolutely, yeah, and I, I say I don't think anyone really foreseen. Maybe you know, maybe in a way, way defeat uh, for Lons is not headline making news, but a four 0 something to a side of, <clears throat> excuse me, been struggling like Brass was was a little bit out of character for as his men, but nevertheless. Good win for Brest. Um, also snapping a sort of a rough period of form where Angers, unfortunately that means Lorient's bad form does continue, but Angers winning by a goal to nil. Tama Mongani with, um, right, I'm just going to call it a sus penalty. Uh, and if you if you want to, if you have a particular interest as to um, Lorient's uh, particular misfortune with penalties, just go and read uh, the the uh, chairman, Lorient Ferry's tweets recently. I'm 100% on board with him. The amount of penalties that Lorient have not got 
and I've had given against them is starting to be a little bit um, Man United-esque at this stage. But hey-ho, I'm not better at all. Let's move on. Uh, Brest 3, Bordeaux 3. Sorry, Brest 3. Met 3, Bordeaux 3. Sorry, Jazz. Um, opening uh, salvo from Bordeaux seemed to be sending this game only one way. Uh, Ellis with the opener, Remy Udin, who uh, had a lovely all day with two goals himself, uh, put the two up at that point before Nicolas de Preville he had a bit of a point to prove against his former employers, got Mets back into it. Then it was the Inget show. He got the uh, the leveller at 2-2 before Romeo Dan again uh, put Bordeaux back in front and to get got the equaliser 20 minutes mm. to go. Um, Farid Belaya was sent off for, um, let's just call it what it was, an assault on, uh, on Yassine Adli. Um, poor, I think it's fair to say. Um, Jez, points gained or more points dropped? I guess given the circumstances at 2-0 down, probably points gained? Yeah, I mean... That's three matches in a row, I think. Three draws in a row, rather. <clears throat> so three matches unbeaten. And the middle one is a draw at Marseille, where also hit the woodwork twice. So we're relatively unlucky. So at least we're sort of making ourselves hard to beat. The problem is two of those draws are at home to Saint-Étienne and Bordeaux, who obviously on paper, you know, bigger clubs, they, you know, out of context aren't bad results but they're two teams around us and when there's too many defensive mistakes far too many red cards and they're the kind of matches that we need to be getting points from and you know particularly the Santetia one I think I said at the time which needs some kind of break and when people are scoring goals from 70 yards against you that's kind of the opposite of a break and yeah it's I mean Phil said something about no team's bad enough to go down well I can think of one at the moment uh, fortunately yeah yeah I, I did think of you when I was watching that unfold it was it was a very entertaining game but um, I think if you're a fan of either club you would have rather taken a either a, a sort of a narrow win or, or I mean yeah from, from two goals down and then down again when you've made the effort to come back and you go down again you could see heads dropping mm. you would understand heads dropping so I think there's there are positives to take but um you know before the match you have to look at that as a you know needing three points and, and yeah one, so yeah and exactly maybe coming on to what you were going to say was the next game was Saint-Étienne beat Troyes 1-0 in Troyes and that means Saint-Étienne have now got two wins on the bounce and that's opened up a little gap at the bottom and that's possibly slightly concerning, Jess? It's concerning, but I mean, I think there's four clubs on 13 points. So they're right, yeah, although and Claremont are on a terrible run of four. Yeah, so although sort of we're kind of four points adrift or something, we're four points from four teams. So if you know what I mean, at least there's a few clubs that are potentially down there as well. But obviously it doesn't matter what they're doing if we're not picking up the points. But the Saint-Étienne one, again, you know, Trauco with a sort of 40-yard worldie, that's the kind of that and the Kasri goal against Mess. They're the sort of, you know, credit, you know, it was a great goal, but they're the sort of breaks that you need and Saint-Étienne are getting them and Mess aren't getting anything like that at the moment. And, you know, a lot of woodwork, a lot of bad decisions, VAR or simple refereeing, something, Mess are not having anything go their way. Mathieu Udol with yet another long-term injury, the fourth or fifth of his career, the poor guy. I don't even, you know, there, there were Mess people 
Mess fans debating the other day whether, you know, almost saying they almost wish that he'd retire from football just to save him the almost inevitable agony he'll be in post-retirement for 30 years. And and that's yeah, slightly off on a tangent there, but just that kind of thing. And like I said, injuries on top of the suspensions are self-inflicted, but injuries aren't necessarily, and it just feels absolutely nothing's going our way at the moment. Yeah. And, uh, and you mentioned that that wonder strike from uh, Trauco uh, getting uh, a win for St Etienne um, away at uh, Troyes and that's their second win on the spin, which I don't think anyone would have seen a couple of weeks ago. So um, Claude Fouel is a happier man. Uh, but yeah, very, very good strike if you haven't seen that one. Um, the other couple of games to cover, um, the Strasbourg Rams game, speaking of never say die, uh, Jean-Luc de Belgar's free kick in the 97th minute, securing a point for Strasbourg, who had been behind to an Ekitike goal for Rams. That one ended in a one After Kevin um, absolutely skied a penalty. Yeah, that wasn't more than that was very yeah, he had one there, I think it's fair to say. And uh, speaking of having one, uh, see the Claremont Reserve goalkeeper, who also had one as their 2-1 home defeat uh, to Nice, um, which I will sort of bring into our roundup again in a second. But so, yeah, Claremont going I'm actually watching it right now as we speak. I love Greary's winner. So well taken. Oh, that, yeah, the touch to set it up <laughs> and the, the finesse into the far corner was, yeah, it was delightful. He's, he's, he's a really talented player. I think we've known that for a while, but yeah. You're watching that because Mets are playing at Nice at the weekend, aren't they? Oh, great. Yeah, no, no, no worries <laughs> right. there. Um, so we will have a quick chat about the top three in a second, but um, unfortunately, I think there's only really one place to start this particular round up. Um, Phil, I'll, I'll start with you on this one. I mean, where, where to unpack? Uh, for those who don't know, first of all, I, I suppose I should mention, uh, Lyon versus Marseille lasted four minutes last night, um, the, the Olympico derby or whatever you want to call it. Um, Lyon with a host club. Um, yet again, a Marseille game was forced to be suspended, or a game in Lyon, I should say, was forced to be suspended after Dimitri Bayer was struck in the, uh, in the face, let's call it what it was, by a, a full bottle of I assume was water thrown from the Leon Ultras um, there was uh, a very very long delay I think it's in the end it's about two hours uh, at one point the game was said to be back on Marseille quite rightly in my opinion which we'll come on to in a second refused to come back onto the pitch um, and ultimately the LFP have said today that Leon will now have to play their next home game against Rams with uh, behind closed doors obviously this this game will get replayed you would imagine that will also be behind closed doors um, maybe we'll yeah. come on to Olas in a minute but what did you make of it Phil because I think you were watching as I was at the time yeah oh I um I turned on a minute or two late because I've been doing some washing, thinking, oh, I hope nobody scored. And it said match suspended. I was like, the hell is this? Um, and it was an absolute shit show. You had the local prefecture blaming the referee, the LFP working on a Sunday night. Uh, I'm surprised anyone was still in the office. Uh, blaming the prefecture, the referee was clearly has has said the game was never going to continue. Leon is saying that the ref wanted to continue, but then Marseille changed his mind. It was an absolute 
mess. And Leon sent their pitch announcer out to say the match will start in a couple of minutes. And Leon came out and started warming up. And you noticed quite quickly that no Marseille players were warming up. And yeah, I mean, there was a lot of, and obviously it's a lot of people saying, oh, it was only a bottle. <laughs> the man's had, what, well, he was hit with lighters at Mars, uh, Montpellier. The whole knee situation was dreadful. He was hit in the face with a bottle. It doesn't matter if his hair is amusing. He was hit in the face by a bottle. He's perfectly within his rights, as far as I can I can see, to say, that's me done, lads. I'm fucking off at this point. And I think it was uh, very important that Marseille stuck together. I was very intrigued to see if Sampaoli was going to come out and make his presence felt. Um, but... Or better off it, I think. <laughs> this, this, this has to happen, because after that knee situation where... They replayed a match which, under their own rules, probably shouldn't have been replayed. It should have been a walkover. They're going to do it again. And as long as this keeps happening and the LFB doesn't deal with this properly, it's going to keep happening. I felt very sorry for the referee, Rudy Bouquet, who is, you know, Obviously, every referee in Liga has their critics, but he's uh, a long-standing person who I think wasn't about to stake any shit. And this situation was just bizarre. And then you said you'd come back to all us, but the post, well, I say post-match, the post-confirmation the match won't continue uh interview from all us was ridiculous um you had who's the marseille president um uh oh, Pablo Longoria. came out looking very uncomfortable but being much much more measured than all us would have been in this situation and Thierry Henry looking frozen to death was not taking any shit from all us as well it was it was a very very strange and kind of shameful situation that this happened has happened again and the uh, that one game behind closed doors is a provisional situation because they won't be meeting again until the 8th of December and you have to think there would be more. All us keep keeping saying it was one individual, one individual, oh, nothing to do with the fans. He was on the front row in the home end. Hmm. You that's, don't that's get really there ridiculous. by accident. He was smacked in the face by his own capper. I mean, hmm. ah. And it's, it's not... Uh, and it's, it's not just one individual, is it? Because as has been rightly pointed out on other podcasts, this this would look like it was going to happen before. There were there, I think there was some lighters, there was some rolled up paper, which I know is, you know, is it's still something being thrown. It's not like it was just one guy with like a you know a, a trolley full of goodies to throw at by it. That there were several people, several ultras there. And other than the somewhat amusing clip of the guy going up and giving this guy a slap around the face. It, it wasn't just one individual. And unfortunately, um, it's, it encourages this behaviour from others. And I think uh, also 
if you go into a French football stadium and you've got a bottle of water, they get you to take the cap off the bottle of water. Mm. So a lot of people are saying, how has he got a full bottle of water? Well, I don't know. You're not allowed to take pyro into the stadium either. That mm. happens. There are possibly different uh, security measures for certain stands, shall we say. Mm. Where, where did... That. So where do you where do you stand? It's going to be dangerous. Where do you stand on just just quickly before I go to Jez on this? Where do you stand on the argument of like festivals? You know, going to a festival, you can't take a bottle. It doesn't matter if the cap's off. You just can't take a bottle in. That's it. End of story. I mean, you know, I know people are growing and go, oh yeah, but that's silly. But if people can't behave, I I know, think that is children. I I I think it is. Um, what about having plastic cups? I mean, that would be that would be the way around it. You say, okay, fine. Well because you, you you can't get any <clears throat> you can't get any purchase behind a, a plastic cup even if you chuck it with water or piddle in it or whatever you want to do it's not going to go fine. anywhere at festivals then they fine if they make water free hmm. Jez, where do you stand on this fine. Where, where, where's your because just to sort of set you up if, if i can uh, and obviously share your views directly as well but there's this sort of discussion going around now oh well you know Payet's an ex St Etienne player um this whole it was only a bottle argument is just utterly clueless to me it's just the most ridiculous thing you could have lost an eye could have been hit in the temple it is just well I can't even go there it's just winds me up um but where do you stand on this sort of argument that there's the the sort of the well it's always Marseille thing I mean you know they're they're a massive club and while some of their fans are not the best behaved this has happened to them on three separate occasions and it's the second time it's, it's happened to Payet. Is is there, <laughs> there's no excuse for the behaviour that's happened, but do you buy into the idea that this is only a Marseille thing now? No, I mean, I, it, it is bizarre that it's, I mean, look, Marseille draws strong opinions and Payet probably more than most other players draw strong opinions, but um you know, enough of the league also hates Lyon. So I think it's just a weird anomaly that it's it's Marseille um, and and Payet. I mean, it's not a surprise that there's aggro in a Lyon-Marseille match. That's been sort of ramping up for years now. But um, I think it's, it's strange. That, I think it is just maybe a coincidence that it happens to be Marseille. Let's be fair, a lot of football fans are not the brightest, most original people in the world. So there is a bit of, oh, look, this has happened against Marseille. Let's us do it against Marseille as well. Um, but, you know, whatever the reasons, whatever you think of Marseille, whatever you think of Payet, it's completely inexcusable what happened. It's insane. I mean, first, of, one thing which I'd say, which no one is thinking about like why not just keep the ultras away from corners yeah. <laughs> stick them behind the goal so. or in the middle of a main stand yeah. um but yeah and in terms of like debating what what is or isn't throwable obviously it shouldn't even come to that and you know even if they're they've got their bottles of water if they're selling the water without the caps if you know what type of water they sell in the in the stadium anyway you can just turn up just with the cap and then stick that on when you get into the st- I will admit anyway done that in the past. but i yeah i just i just think the whole thing is is i mean what what phil said about the sort of shit show afterwards in terms of he said this and they said that and all of that kind of thing i, I part of me thinks 
not that I feel sorry for them, but I can understand. I would understand that there's a lot of confusion between the prefecture and the LFP and the and the stadium people um, at Lyon or whatever. If this was the first time, but unfortunately, we've already seen this so many times this season that um, you'd have thought by now. Unfortunately, everyone should know what the kind of procedures are for this kind of thing. In terms of Olas, look, people, I think it's obvious from this podcast over the years that I do have a soft spot for Lyon, and I actually have a relatively soft spot for Olas. I think he's done a lot more good than bad for French football, and I think sometimes people overdo the criticism, but he looked ridiculous last night. You know, complete... Firstly, after the the Marseille-Nice match, he was very vocal. If this kind of thing happens, no doubt about it, match should be stopped. No way it should restart. Mm -hmm. Should be a walkover. I actually disagree that Nice-Marseille should have been a walkover. I think Marseille really got away with one in that um, by somehow getting a draw at the end of everything. But this one is is different. Four minutes in... um, you know, just it's embarrassing that he's changed his tune completely just because now it's against it's it would be against Lyon. And by the way, I'm obviously going to bring back that time as well when um, Lopez got hit by by a projectile thrown by a mess fan and, and Olas was making a huge fuss then as well about how there's no way the match should restart. So you can't have it both ways. And it's not a surprise that he's going to do that. It wouldn't be a surprise if Longoria or any other club president did that, but it just takes away all the credibility. Um, my main issue really is just, I, I put a tweet about it last night. It's just, it's so frustrating that, you know, year in, year out, we're dealing with all this Farmers League crap and this year the football has been fantastic I know if you just look at the league you'd think oh PSG are running away with it but it's very much not the case you look at even just this weekend the number of goals that there were in Liga you know really entertaining stuff and first of all it's ridiculous that the fans who've been starved of seeing any live football um, for 18 months or two years are now punishing themselves and secondly, they're making the story about something else. You know, we've talked about partly the Farmers League thing, but also the stuff about, you know, TV rights and selling league and trying to make it a product in the, you know, somewhere on the way to the Premier League. The football is there. The footballers are doing their part. And it's the fans who are the ones that should be standing to benefit the most, who are just destroying everything and it's absolutely ridiculous it's just so frustrating yeah yeah i, I completely agree with both both of you said there and uh, i think thierry Henry was <clears throat> spot on when he said that this these, these fans should just be banned for life there just shouldn't be any questioning about it just ban them for life that's it end of story you know what you're doing when you throw something you know you you just do and whether you feel feel that you've been wronged by a player or not, you know, and yes, Dimitri Payet has, has at times um, stoked the fires, but, you know, this is, I think somebody else said this on a pod, it's his job, you know, imagine going into work and having a co-worker just launch a Coke can at you from across the office. I mean, you, you'd you have him in court. I mean, it's, it's, it's just ridiculous to me that people seem to think they can behave like this at a football stadium and, and get away with it. And um, you would imagine there will be 
serious ramifications. I think Marseille have apparently opened legal proceedings about this. So I mean, I'm not surprised. Just to, to let you know, I've just um, seen on Twitter Montpellier trends are one O L O M, two Payet, three Orlas, and that I think tells you a, a lot about the ramifications this is going to have. Yeah. And, and I think Jez makes a really good point as well in the, you know, as I'm sure we're all, any, any sort of fans of French football or followers or whatever are sick of this Farmers League bollocks. Um, this doesn't help, you know, and, and I, you know, I was, I was especially cheesed off last night. I'd ordered a pizza. I was having a lovely time. I was settling in for a, a good game of football and, you know, all jokes aside, I couldn't watch that game because of the minus sort of actions of, yeah. One or a couple of individuals, and that's that's the crying shame. And we here. ended and course, up watching an hour and a half of people in a tunnel swear yeah. kicking things and uh, kind of vaguely ineffectual speculation from the, the broadcasters. Yeah, so I mean, save, save a thought for me. I had to sit through watching Jose Mourinho's Roma, so I mean, you know, it's, it's not it wasn't a fun evening, but um. Yeah, I think we will we'll move on from, from that game because there is football to talk about, but uh, I'm sure there'll be updates in the coming weeks about what's going to happen and that game will eventually be replayed. And uh, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get the spectacle that we probably would have got uh, had the game gone ahead with fans, you know, sort of an, an as planned. But um, it is what it is. And we will keep you updated when LFP make their decisions, probably on next week's pod. But I do want to talk about the top three uh, over the course of the weekend as well. Um, PSG got a 3-1 win at home to Nantes. I think it's fair to say, once again, slightly fortuitous. They did play better, don't get me wrong. And uh, one El Messi did indeed get his first league on goal, a very classic Messi-type finish as well, cutting in from the left and firing past Lafont, who'd had a, a very good day, it has to be yes. said. Uh, say it again. I thought he'd already scored in the league. No, it's his first league goal. He's got his Champions League goals. That was his first, uh, uh, first league goal. So, um, and uh, Kylian Mbappe... Farmers League. Farmers League, sorry, yes. Um, had got it, Kylian Mbappe deflected in Leandro Paredes' goal. Uh, cleverly, it has to be said. It was deliberate to put them in front after, inside a minute, I think it's his fastest career goal. Um, but, um, yeah, not, we're not done. And, and they came back into the game. Kaylor Navas had a... One of those moments where he um, just decided to come running out of his goal and uh, took out a forward, and that was that. He was red carded, and Colin Moane, clever back heel uh, past the standing goalkeeper, uh, Sergio Rico, because Don Rimmel was out injured, got not level before the most bizarre and really unlucky of own goals from uh, Denis Sapia uh, looping over Lafont, who, as I said, was very good on the day, uh, ultimately caused the game to go 2 1, and PSG were fairly comfortable after that uh, and then Messi adding that third goal so we'll come on to PSG in a second um, but also just to uh, to bring you up to speed as we mentioned earlier on uh, a pair of Amin Guiri goals have got the win for the uh, for, for Nice away from home um, very much they were under the cost for long periods of that two fairly late goals and as just mentioned earlier on that second goal from Guiri was a thing of beauty and uh, Rennes probably the most informed team in, in France if not one of the most informed teams in Europe at the moment uh, with another win at, uh, Terrier with the opening goal from a header really good really good goal as well from a header from the, from the open play to put Rennes in front and uh, Lovren Mayer who we um, heaped some praise on the last podcast got his first league on goal to secure the points um, on Pellier Tergi Savanier seeing red for two 
bookable offences. Um, Jez, I will start Where with you. What odds there were, were there this weekend? So again, how many? Uh, there were quite a few. I think it's. I, uh, I think there's at least six. four. Maybe what? Yeah. Um, one, two, three, four, five, five, five or six. Five? Yeah, five. Yeah. Too many. Too many. Some would say. <laughs> um, Jez, uh, as I say, I want to kind of wrap these three teams into one little segment here, rather than sort of going into in depth in the interest of time. But. Um, I, I do just want to sort of ask you about, I want you to sort of touch on these rumours linking Pochettino with, with a potential move away uh, from PSG. But overall, good good performance from these three clubs. And, and I know it's going to hurt you to say it, but Ren, fantastic at the moment. Um, nice seem to seem to have got their acts back in gear and, and we know how good a coach Gautier is. And, and PSG, despite not particularly playing well, are streaks ahead at the top. What do you kind of make of, of the, the current performances of those higher echelon clubs at the moment? Um, I think Ren, as you said, are, are just really purring at the moment. And I've, although they're not necessarily my favourite club, I'm, I'm really pleased to see Genesio doing well. Yeah. I think you always got too much stick um, at, at Lyon and obviously looking at the uh, how he's doing at Rennes and how Lyon, although there are sort of occasional sort of green shoots of recovery, are still generally struggling. Um, it's, you know, very much kind of um, be careful what you wish for sort of thing. So, you know, good on him and, and good on, on Ren, who got, again, who I think we said before, it's, it's because of the sort of, you know, in, in, in England, Premier League teams can sort of splurge 40 million on a player, it flops, it doesn't matter. In, in France, it feels like because of the financial um, restrictions of so many clubs, every, every transfer actually is very important. And Lyon, you know, from being the dominant club in France, a couple of bad signings, a Gourcouf here and a Macron there, and, and um, suddenly they're, they're kind of back in the, um, you know, among all the other sort of also rands and ran the other way around. I think for a long time, they did frustrate their fans with maybe bad signings or sort of general bad transfer decisions and maybe getting rid of coaches a little bit too quickly, that kind of thing. But recently, there's just been a much better joined up thinking. I think Florian Maurice obviously is we saw how how well he did in terms of recruitment at Lyon and he's doing a good job for Ren. And um they've just got a very nice settled balanced squad. And and um the only thing you'd say possibly that they're lacking is an out and out goal scorer, but it doesn't matter because there's enough other players um uh, sort of sharing the goals between them and, and Terrier, another sort of ex-Lyon. Um, another player that that they probably stupidly let go, um, as you said, a fantastic header, and he's been doing the business a lot of the time this year. So, um, I think Ren is similar to Nice in that I, I'm not sure that they'll. I think there'll be enough sort of. I was going to use the word silly, but not silly, but enough. You know, times where there'll be the odd match that that they'll lose, they won't be at the top of their game, they'll cut, drop some points here and I don't here and there and they won't necessarily be title contenders, but I think they've definitely shown that they've got enough to be sort of Champions League place contenders. And Nice, a similar thing. We've seen like two or three really weirdly poor results 
during the season, interspersed with some very good performances. And as this weekend showed, and we've seen it a couple of times in them before as well, where the performances haven't necessarily been very good, they've already got that sort of Galtier kind of grinter of finding a result, even when the performance didn't necessarily deserve it. And when you've got potential match winners like Weary in the team, as you said, that you know, the Clermont keeper did help him out a little bit for the first goal. But, um, and as we saw against Lyon as well, you know, that they will fight to the end and, and um, uh, you know, no such thing really as a, as a lost cause when you've got Gautier as a coach. So I think Nice will be sort of, again, up there in terms of European contention, but then PSG, look, obviously they're going to run away with it. And I keep, I keep thinking to myself, I don't know if it's, a really good sign of Liga or a really bad sign of Liga that PSG are have not convinced, barely convinced in a single Liga match this year, yet have won all but I think two of them. Um, I think it, it it sort of shows that it's that I don't know if that shows that they are dominant or they're not dominant, if you know mm. what I mean. Mm. But um the fact is the football is generally not great. If Mess had a quarter of the luck that PSG have had, they'd probably be European contenders right now. Um, and yeah, as as you alluded to, they, they had a hell of a lot of luck. I don't know whether Mbappe meant what he did. He certainly didn't mean to be about a centimetre on side when he did it. That own goal was absolutely freakish. Um, and again, a couple of late goals to help see them through. So um they're really not convincing at all it still feels like it's more reliant although this week was a little bit better it still feels like it's more reliant on horrific refereeing or um little individual strokes of genius um but they've got those they've got enough of those geniuses that it, it carries them through in league 1 but i'm not sure they're winning many friends along the way and even amongst PSG fans, a lot of them still feel very disgruntled, which kind of brings you on to what you said about Pochettino. And I wouldn't be surprised if he left because I don't think anyone is particularly happy with the situation. I'm not sure he's particularly enjoying himself. Apparently he's still living in a hotel, which I don't know if that's down to him or the club or whatever, but it doesn't speak of anyone who's kind of quick to sort of you know, in a rush to settle down properly. Um, he's getting all the stick for any kind of... Sorry. <laughs> he's getting all the stick for um, the fact that there's no team cohesion or anything like that. But it's, I think, it's an impossible job. We've seen that with... I've said it so many times, but look at the current... The two coaches that are currently holding the two European trophies... They're the two co two of the co recent coaches who apparently were found out to be awful when they were at PSG. Well, you know, maybe it's not the coaches that are the problem. Maybe it's the way everything works at PSG. Yeah, and even I mean, even the fact that PSG arguably their only decent performance of the season was their their win against City. Again, I mean that that speaks to a club that are sort of very much resting on their laurels and only deigning to raise themselves for the biggest of matches, which again you could say is the coach's fault. But at some point, everyone, 
the blame has to be shared. And when the same issues are coming up again and again, whoever the coach is, at some point you've got to say it can't just be down to the coach. Pochettino, okay, he hasn't won trophies. And I know, obviously, with your Arsenal hat on, you'll you'll feel slightly differently. But what he did at Spurs in terms of bringing through young players, in terms of making them sort of contenders for silverware was very impressive and he's he hasn't you can't say that he's become a bad coach overnight so again as long as the players are allowed to completely dictate things as long as the people above him are allowing them to do that as long as the squad is completely in balance so you've got a fantastic forward line which he has to pick all of all of even though that clearly doesn't work but for the most part you've still got a very average midfield and probably not a fully world-class defense either and you've got two world-class goalkeepers but they're both sort of arguing with each other in the background how is any coach supposed to function like that so I wouldn't be surprised if he goes because PSG don't seem that happy with him he doesn't seem that happy with PSG it sounds like he's still got more than strong roots in England. There's always been that United connection. Or, you know, he was always a contender for going there at some point or other. Um, I could see it happening, yes. Mm, doesn't sound like the happiest of marriages. Uh, Phil, what do you make of um, the idea that if, uh, if PSG were to potentially uh, sort of agree to, like a mutual parting of the ways, which it seems to be if, if things were to Yada, happen. yada, yada, whatever, move on to the... Who, who do they get next? Who's well, the next guy on that's, Tropical? That's I mean, what I was going to ask you. I mean, it's because it's, it's, the talk is Zidane. That, that, that's the talk. The talk is that PSG would be willing to let Poch go if they were able to bring in a Zidane. And, and some of the talk around that... Oh, I'm is, sorry, isn't he going to Manchester United? I'm losing track of no. the all he, of that stuff. His, his wife has said she doesn't want to live in the UK. He doesn't speak English. I think that's all just lazy rumours. But the, the suggestion with PSG is that, essentially, in the nicest possible way, Poch wants a project and wants something that he can build and he wants to create his own sort of dynasty and his own style of play. Whereas the PSG squad is set up to just go and win things and it just needs ego stroking. And the thought process being that Zidane essentially did this job at Real Madrid. He didn't really have to coach too much. He just had to come in, get the the big players performing and the rest looked after itself, which in, in essence seems to suggest you know, it would suit. And he's quite a fashionable type of name, isn't he, for, for this type of job? It, it sounds like a good fit on paper, but then you have the Deschamps potentially leaving after the next World Cup and I, France assuming I that Zidane's going to take over. Genuinely don't care. I'm sorry. I'm no, out. that's fine. That's, that, that, that's fine. If you, if you don't, that's absolutely fine. I think... I th- I'm not sure. I think Zidane is holding out for France. The other thing with PSG, I know Zidane has got Qatari links and obviously mm. some certain amount of money but he's such a Marseille person and he's so obsessed with his image I'm not sure yeah. that he'd go to PSG yeah mm. yeah it, it is it is a bit of a poison chalice of a of a, of a situation I think because I think even if Poch wins the Champions League um people will sort of say yeah but look at the squad you've got I, I, I it's a really difficult one to manage there I, I sort of feel like you need to be you know, the swashbuckling style of coach to to win it. And if not, you're not really going to be classed as good enough. Um, let me just ask you something that you might you might care more about than Phil from your perspective in terms of on the pitch. 
Um, who is your particular of of the the clubs that are sort of fretting around each other in this in this hunt for sort of what we essentially will will now imagine will be the backup to PSG because I think we all agree that PSG will probably win this title. Mm-hmm. Who have impressed you most? Because it seems like okay, Ren are the informed team right now. Nice have had a fairly consistent season. We don't really know what we're going to get from Monaco or Lille from game to game. Lons are flying high. There seems to be like a bit of a revolving conveyor belt of teams going up and down the league. If you had to put your sort of who have you watched and thought, yeah, they're the ones that I think are likely to be the biggest challengers for the European spots? Oh. Um I think Ren have to be up there just because it's kind of unexpected. Mm. I mean, Lance was very unexpected, but we've seen them go up, down, up, down, up, down. Well, I'm still not sure that's going to um, last. Marseille is still in fifth, but kind of... So, yeah, I think Ren are the ones that I see staying up there, that they have that consistency. Hmm. They, they, I mean, they, as you say, they are the consistent side. I mean, they're up to third in the league to, to give the listeners an update. I mean, PSG are out in front of 37 points, um, only one defeat all season. And they're, they're clearly ahead of Nice, who are up to second now on 26 points, Rennes in third, 25 points, Lons in fourth, 24 points, Marseille fifth, obviously with the game in hand, 23 points. Um, <clears throat> and then I, I must admit, I had to rub my eyes a little bit when I saw Angers and Strasbourg in sixth and seventh. I must admit, that did catch That's me slightly how- unawares. We've got team 19 is four teams, like Jez was talking about. Yeah. There's four teams on 13 points. There's clumps in the table, and that's something I think we've seen a lot more of over the last couple of years. Mm. So it's who can fight their way out of a clump. Yeah. Uh, or get on a run. Because that's, that. that's what Ren did, isn't it? I mean, they yeah. were... They were kind of... Um, Definitely, but you, you look at Brest, who are much lower down the table, they've been on a similar run, really impressive, and are on the up, whereas Clermont have been... And Lorient, sorry, one point in the last five... Yeah, let's move on. ...are, are tanking a bit. So it's all still very movable. And mm. that's what's good if you look at legal other than who's up front. It also probably gives gives you a bit of hope, Jess, as well, because I mean, you know, like we said, it only takes a little run for a team to to pull away and go up the league or, or vice versa. But yeah, it is it's definitely a very fluid league, and it's why it's why when you see incidents like last night at, at, uh, at Sir Parco where you do you do just think, oh, this is. There's so many good things about this league. It's just such a shame that we're once again talking about the, the negative side and, and what we could have been sort of celebrating a, a league where literally two wins can get you from 18th or 19th up to 4th or 5th. You know, it, it's kind of nuts. But um, yeah, the, the midfield cluster of the table is certainly the one that, uh, that I tend to keep a bit of an eye on myself at the moment because uh, it's all I've got. To, all I can do is look up supporting a team that's won uh, that's won none of its last five and lost four of those anyway before i get depressed let's move on um before uh, before we sort of look ahead to next week's fixtures uh, we don't really do this very often but just very quickly 
um, the uh, scores in the league or the, the top scoring charts. Very interested to see that the top three players, uh, Jonathan David, Amin Guiri and Gaetan Laborde, kind of interested me to see that. Um, and won't surprise you to know that Kylian Mbappe and Andy Delors and Wissam Biela are also in that list, but a bit further down uh, that particular table. So, um, yeah, interesting to see which players are stepping out and uh, which players, I think Laborde's the signing of him, the, the, the money they paid is looking like an absolute steal. That's probably more for, for Rich to go into when he is back on the pod, so I'll save that for them. Mm. Um, let's have a look at the next fixtures that are up and coming. I should say as well, I think I'm right, it's a European week, isn't it, this week as well, so um, we will yes. look back on, I believe so anyway, unless I've got that horribly wrong, I'm sure, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. But um, the League of Fictions. Oh, no, next... it is. It is. Um, you got PSG Man City uh, you on Wednesday, I want to say it is. Really? Yeah. It's mm. all coming thick and fast. Oh, it's Lille Salzburg mm. Tuesday. Yep. And then, yeah, City PSG. Oh. It's all go. It is all go. Um, so yeah, the European action we will of course uh, cover on next week's uh, next week's show. But uh, yeah, I do just want to have a quick look ahead at the league art fixtures for next week. Um, should also say we've we've had to lose Jez unfortunately because uh, he's got a very upset little one in the background. So um, uh, our thanks to uh, to Jez this week. Um, he was uh, pulled away, uh, which is fair enough. Uh, fair enough in this sort of scenario. But we will just look ahead of the East fixtures. Lance against Angers is the Friday night fixture. Um, I think leap that's off. going to be that's going to be interesting because that's fourth against sixth. Yeah, I'm going to say it doesn't normally leap off the page, but all of a sudden, yeah, sort of does, doesn't it? It kind of does. Mm, yeah, kind of does. It's a sleeper fixture that one. Uh, Lille against Nantes on Saturday at four pm. That one has the look of a decent looking game with two sides sort of in mixed form at the moment. Uh, nice against Mets also, you would imagine only one winner there, but you just never know. That's the, the evening game. Uh, Sunday, a very peculiar time for this one, but uh, St Etienne PSG it's, uh, and all that history. Lunchtime Chinese market. Uh, St Etienne PSG used to be a big game. Now it could be an embarrassing game. Big game on paper, but maybe not in terms of the actual football. But PSG post Man City game, you know, maybe a bit tired. Two wins on the spin for Saint Etienne. Still uh, not I, sure. Still not sure either. But you know, you're we can... trying to talk yourself into this, Chris. I'm not sure it's working. No, no, I, I did my best, but I think even I'm not actually convinced myself there. But hey ho, uh, Bordeaux Brest. I think that might be fun. I will just put my neck out on the mm-hmm. line, so that could be a decent watch. Uh, got a Breton derby which I'm sure won't be fun, but uh, Lorient at home to Ren. They are better at home at the Moustoir, so hopefully okay. we can uh, pull that awful form around. Uh, it's the Chris Rich derby, of course, that one. Um, Monaco against Strasbourg, again, on paper, with both sides in, in fairly sort of mixed form. It could be a, an entertaining watch. And uh, Rams against Clermont. Uh, you feel that Clermont need to start pulling their form around this side of Christmas. They'll be looking Ooh, for yeah. points in that one. Uh, Montpellier-Lyon. Again, on paper, looks well, a bit, bit tasty. I mean, um, ninth versus tenth, but also there's a history of this being 5-1 in one direction or another mm. over the past couple of seasons. So I'm going to be checking the weather report and seeing if I can brave Moss on for that one. Because, mm. yeah, always, always a good watch. On paper, it looks like a decent game, that one, doesn't it? does does look like a, yeah, a decent Unfortunately, Essex. 
True that, true that. And uh, finally, and in the evening, assuming that the fans can behave and assuming that everything is all, all well and good at Marseille, once again, are the Sunday evening oh, game that's, against Trois. That's a, a weird game to have on a Sunday. Mm. I, I think so too. I think there's two but, or three other games you could have put you know, there. Whatever. Anyway. Yeah. It is what it is. It is what it is. Um, before we go, you wanted to uh, just bring us up speed on what's happening in the women's game. Um, a yes. few people will be aware there's been a certain story that has... Uh, well, I want to start with the football, Chris. Yes, let's do that. That's okay. So um, the Women's Champions League has a group stage this year, which is lovely. Um, and we saw two weeks ago, Lyon won 2-1 home against Bayern Munich. A little bit more difficult than they used to, possibly. And then in the return leg, Bayern won 1-0. So that was actually Lyon's first loss of the season. I mean, they're still doing well at the top of the group with 10 points. But, um, again, a little bit more challenge than normal. But they went in, in between those games, uh, on the Sunday of the international break for the men, uh, they had the top-of-the-table clash for Divan against PSG. PSG, who had beaten Real Madrid 4-0 in the previous uh, Champions League group game and 2-0 in second, OL won 6-1. PSG had... Uh, somebody sent off. I didn't note down who it was. Um, that game also saw uh, Ada Hegerberg's first goal for Lyon since being out for nearly two years with injury. Obviously, the 2018 Ballon d'Or winner. Um, she swiftly followed that up with her second goal for Lyon in almost two years. Um, so that was a really big marker that OL put down because before that game, they were level on points. It was only goal difference separating them. And OL battered PSG in that game. PSG, who, as you did mildly refer to earlier, have had some off-pitch issues recently. So uh, a week or so ago, uh, midfielder Kara Hamway, who had come to PSG in the summer from Barcelona, was dragged out of a car by two masked men and beaten on her legs. Uh, the damage was un pleasant to see. Um, the person who was driving the car, her teammate Amanata Diallo, was arrested after that attack on suspicion of having been involved in it. Uh, she obviously is denying everything and um, a further twist has come out that it turns out that uh, Eric Amberdal's wife, Hayek, is planning on divorcing him because he was having an affair with Hamai while she was at Barcelona and it's all got very, very involved. There is a piece by Charlotte Harper on The Athletic which basically tells you what we know now, but this is something which is 
very, very odd. I mean, when it came out that Diallo had been arrested, I think everybody went, what the fuck? Mm. Um, and now she obviously, as I say, has been denying any involvement. She was in a cell overnight and uh, PSG, obviously their legal team is drafting uh, things like nobody's business, but it does seem like it, the evidence we have, what we know so far, it does suggest this is more personal than professional because the idea was that Diallo was not happy with having to compete with Hamre, who'd come in from Barcelona because they're in the same position for PSG and possibly also France. Uh, Hamroy hasn't played for France for two years now, I think, but she's been a great runner form for PSG since coming out from Barcelona, where obviously she won the treble. Um, but that just kind of never seemed credible. Who does that? You know, these they're friends. They've been on holiday together. Diallo was giving Hamoy and uh, Sashkar a lift back from a, a meal at a restaurant. That just didn't seem... Just, so this is going to run, I mean, frankly, but Hamoy did say after some of the first wave of facts came out, please respect my privacy. And then when it was announced that Hayek... Um, uh, Abidal was going to be divorcing her husband, it, that made much more sense. Yeah. So I think one. this is obviously it's a horrible situation. Whatever the situation with guilt, it's going to have a big impact on the squad. I think maybe you saw that in the way they capitulated against Lyon. Yeah. Well, um, and you know, who who knows? Because apart from the else, they didn't have either first choice midfielder. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens. I I do hope that it wasn't Diallo. Mm. And I do hope that those people criticizing her off the bat on the basis of rumor, then do something about it because I think it's it's just a horrible idea to think that colleagues could do that to each other. Mm. Yeah, it, it does. It, you see, you hear these sort of stories happen in lower leagues of, of football stories, and you know sometimes in like the deepest, darkest corners of uh, sort of um, uh, kind of windswept or chilly places in Eastern Europe or God knows what, where it doesn't really get reported when it's actually on your on your doorstep in, in you know in the women's professional game or in any professional game for that matter but when it's so high profile and, and the stuff that's come out about Abidal's since I mean that's all gone it's all gone a bit uh, a bit messy hasn't it um and not in in the Lionel sense so um yeah I think it's fair to say like you said there's going to be more that's going to come out about this at some point and you would imagine this will end up in court at some point as well because that's generally how these things seem to go but yeah, the thought of a teammate doing that is pretty, pretty horrific. Pretty horrific.
horrific indeed. But nevertheless, but like you said, on the football front, yeah, SG, Copa Day Group, Leon, not having it as easy as they used to. No, and it seems to be a, it does seem to be a sort of a sign as well that, like you say, the women's game is ever changing in terms of that uh, results that you'd never thought. Never thought possible years ago are happening on a more regular basis. Well, now. I have to, I was kind of amused when uh, obviously France beat Kazakhstan 8 uh, 0 mm. the day before the under 21s would beat Armenia 7 0. And I'm like, these are the kind of score lines that we used to laugh at women's football for. Yeah, mm. go ahead. England win 10 0 against San Marino. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I saw that. It's just yeah. whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah. The modern game is is forever changing. Um, but uh, yes, that's uh, that's where we are. That's in terms of both the men's and women's games this week. Uh, so we will, of course, uh, look to to piece through the uh, results from the upcoming week in next week's show. Um, as I say, there is a full European. Uh, a full European um, set of games this week to, to chew our way through as well. A couple of the teams have already qualified. A couple can secure their qualification with good results. I think it's and, fair to and say. And more Coupe de France as well. I'm, yeah, I was just going to say that's oh, My apologies, it? John Mainland. I've got another sixth Sunday, round, seventh round. I'm losing track, but there isn't, there has been another round. So yes. there'll be that up on the website soon as well. Good stuff, good stuff. So we'll be across that as always. Uh, as I say, I'm pretty sure most people will be uh, pretty much looking forward to the PSG Man City game as their highlight of European week. But as for Liga, plenty of good games to get ourselves tucked into for next week. So uh, until then, that is where we will leave this week's pod. So uh, many thanks to uh, Jez, who has, when I say now departed, I didn't mean that to sound quite like that's going to sound because uh, <laughs> now had to go there's a better way of putting it um and of course phil thank you to you as well for your time today thank you so we will be back as i say for next week's pod uh probably back on on the monday as usual uh, but we shall see as is always the case with our ever-changing schedules but hopefully we'll be back this time next week but until then uh, many thanks to you all for listening and of course those who get in touch on a regular basis we appreciate you for listening until then of course enjoy your french football and we'll speak to you very soon